0: Section 7 of the Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Channon. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11 section seven excerpts from the new life and the banquet by dante Alighieri. the new life one the beginning of love nine times now since my birth the heaven of light had turned almost to the same point in its own gyration when the glorious lady of my mind who was called beatrice by many who knew not why she was so called first appeared before my eyes she had already been in this life so long that in its course the starry heaven had moved toward the region of the east one of the twelve parts of a degree so that at about the beginning of her ninth year she appeared to me and i near the end of my ninth year saw her she appeared to me clothed in a most noble color A modest and becoming crimson, And she was girt and adorned in such wise As befitted her very youthful age. From that time forward love lorded it over my soul, Which had been so speedily wedded to him, And he became to exercise over me such control and such lordship Through the power which my imagination gave to him, THAT IT BEHOVED ME TO DO COMPLETELY ALL HIS PLEASURE. HE COMMANDED ME OFT TIMES THAT I SHOULD SEEK TO SEE THIS YOUTHFUL ANGEL, SO THAT I IN MY BOYHOOD OFTEN WENT SEEKING HER, AND SAW HER OF SUCH NOBLE AND PRAISEWORTHY DEPORTMENT, THAT TRULY OF HER MIGHT BE SAID THAT WORD OF THE POET HOMER. SHE SEEMS NOT THE DAUGHTER OF MORTAL MEN, BUT OF GOD and though her image which stayed constantly with me gave assurance to love to hold lordship over me yet it was of such noble virtue that it never suffered love to rule me without the faithful consul of the reason in those matters in which it was useful to hear such consul and since to dwell upon the passions and actions of such early youth seems like telling an idle tale i will leave them and, passing over many things which might be drawn from the original where these lie hidden, I will come to those words which are written in my memory under larger paragraphs. 2. The First Salutation of His Lady When so many days had passed that nine years were exactly complete since the above-described apparition of this most gentle lady, On the last of these days it happened that this admirable lady appeared to me clothed in purest white between two gentle ladies who were of greater age and passing along a street she turned her eyes toward that place where i stood very timidly and by her ineffable courtesy which is to-day rewarded in the eternal world saluted me with such virtue that it seemed to me then that I saw all the bounds of bliss. And since it was the first time that her words came to my ears, I took in such sweetness that, as it were intoxicated, I turned away from the folk, and betaking myself to the solitude of my own chamber, I sat myself down to think of this most courteous lady. And thinking of her, a sweet slumber overcame me, in which a marvellous vision appeared to me. And, when I awoke, thinking on what had appeared to me, I resolved to make it known to many who were famous poets at that time, and since I had already seen in myself the art of discourse in rhyme, I resolved to make a sonnet, in which I would salute all the liegemen of love, and would write to them that which I had seen in my slumber. three the praise of his lady inasmuch as through my looks many persons had learnt the secret of my heart certain ladies who were met together taking pleasure in one another's company were well acquainted with my heart because each of them had witnessed many of my discomfitures and i passing near them as chance led me, was called by one of these gentle ladies. And she who had called me was a lady of very pleasing speech. So that when I drew nigh to them, and saw plainly that my most gentle lady was not among them, reassuring myself, I saluted them, and asked what might be their pleasure. The ladies were many, and certain of them were laughing together there were many others who were looking at me awaiting what i might say there were others who were talking together one of whom turning her eyes towards me and calling me by my name said these words to what end lovest thou this thy lady since thou canst not sustain her presence tell it to us for surely the end of such a love must be most strange and when she had said these words to me not only she but all the others began to await with their look my reply then i said to them these words my ladies the end of my love was formerly an salutation of this lady of whom your perchance are thinking and in that dwelt the beatitude, which was the end of all my desires but since it has pleased her to deny it to me my lord love through his grace has placed all my beatitude in that which cannot fail me then these ladies began to speak together and as sometimes we see rain falling mingled with beautiful snow so it seemed to me i saw their words issue mingled with sighs and after they had somewhat spoken among themselves this lady who had first spoken to me said to me yet these words we pray thee that thou tell us wherein consists this beatitude of thine and i replying to her said thus in those words which praise my lady and she replied if thou hast told us the truth those words which thou hadst said to her setting forth thine own condition must have been composed with other intent then i thinking on these words as if ashamed departed from them and went saying within myself since there is such beatitude in those words which praise my lady why has my speech been of aught else and therefore i resolved always henceforth to take for theme of my speech that which should be the praise of this most gentle one and thinking much on this i seem to myself to have undertaken a theme too lofty for me that i dared not to begin and thus i tarried some days with desire to speak and with fear of beginning then it came to pass that walking on a road alongside of which was flowing a very clear stream so great a desire to say something in verse came upon me that i began to consider the method i should observe and i thought that to speak of her would not be becoming unless I were to speak to ladies in the second person, and not to every lady, but only to those who are gentle, and are not women merely, then I say that my tongue spoke as if moved of its own accord, and said, Ladies that have intelligence of love. These words I laid up in my mind with great joy, thinking to take them for my beginning wherefore then having returned to the above-mentioned city after some days of thought i began to canzone with this beginning four the loveliness of his lady this most gentle lady of whom there has been discourse in the preceding words came into such favour among the people and when she passed along the way persons ran to see her which gave me wonderful joy and when she was near any one such modesty came into his heart that he dared not raise his eyes or return her salutation and of this many as having experienced it could bear witness for me to whoso might not believe it she crowned and clothed with humility took her way showing no pride in that which she saw and heard many said when she had passed this is not a woman rather she is one of the most beautiful angels of heaven and others said she is a marvel blessed be the lord who can work thus admirably i say that she showed herself so gentle and so full of all pleasantness that those who looked on her comprehended in themselves a pure and sweet delight such as they could not after tell in words nor was there any who might look upon her but that at first he needs must sigh these and more admirable things proceeded from her admirably and with power wherefore i thinking upon this desiring to resume the style of her praise resolved to say words in which i would set forth her admirable and excellent influences to the end that not only those who might actually behold her but also others should know of her whatever words could tell then i devised this sonnet so gentle and so gracious doth appear my lady, when she giveth her salute, that every tongue becometh trembling mute. Nor do the eyes to look upon her dare, although she hears her praises, she doth go benignly vested with humility, and like a thing came down she seems to be, from heaven to earth a miracle to show, so pleaseth she whoever cometh nigh she gives the heart a sweetness through the eyes which none can understand who doth not prove and from her countenance there seems to move a spirit sweet in love's very guise who to the soul in going saith sigh five the death of his lady after that i began to think one day upon what i had said of my lady that is in these two preceding sonnets and seeing in my thought that i had not spoken of that which at the present time she wrought in me it seemed to me that i had spoken defectively and therefore i resolved to say words in which i would tell how i seemed to myself to be disposed to her influence and how her virtue wrought in me and not believing that i could relate this in the brevity of a sonnet i began then a canzoni. quo moldus sola civitas plena populo facta est quasi vidua domino gentium how doth the city sit solitary that was full of people how is she become as a widow she that was great among the nations i was yet full of the design of this canzoni, and had completed one stanza thereof when the lord of justice called his most gentle one to glory under the banner of that holy queen mary whose name was ever spoken with greatest reverence, by this blessed Beatrice. 6. THE ANNIVERSARY OF THE DEATH OF HIS LADY On that day, on which the year was complete since this lady was made one of the denizens of life eternal, I was seated in a place where, having her in my mind, I was drawing an angel upon certain tablets, and while I was drawing it, i turned my eyes and saw at my side men to whom it was meet to do honour they were looking on what i did and as was afterwards told me they had been there already some time before i became aware of it when i saw them i rose and saluting them said another was just now with me and on that account i was in thought and when they had gone away i returned to my work namely that of drawing figures of angels and while doing this a thought came to me of saying words in rhyme as if for an anniversary poem of her and of addressing those persons who had come to me after this two gentle ladies sent to ask me to send them some of those rhymed words of mine wherefore i thinking on their nobleness resolved to send to them and to make a new thing which i would send to them with these in order that i might fulfil their prayers with the more honour and i devised then a sonnet which relates my condition and i sent it to them beyond the sphere that widest orbit hath passes the sigh which issues from my heart A new intelligence doth love impart, In tears to him which guides his upward path, When at the place desired his course he stays, A lady he beholds in honour dight, Whoso doth shine that through her splendid light, The pilgrim's spirit upon her doth gaze. He sees her such, that dark his words I find, when he reports, his speech so subtle is, unto the grieving heart which makes him tell. But of that gentle one he speaks, I wis, since oft he bringeth Beatrice to mind, so that, O oh ladies dear, I understand him well. Seven. The hope to speak more worthily of his lady. After this, a wonderful vision appeared to me in which i saw things which made me resolve to speak no more of the blessed one until i could more worthily treat of her and to attain to this i study to the utmost of my power as she truly knows so that if it shall please him through whom all things live that my life be prolonged for some years i hope to say of her what was never said of any woman. And then may it please Him who is the Lord of Grace that my soul may go to behold the glory of its Lady, namely of that blessed Beatrice, who in glory looks upon the face of Him, Qui est per omnia, Secular Benedictus, who is blessed for ever. The translations from the Convito are made for A Library of the World's Best Literature by Professor Norton. The Convito 1. The Consolation of Philosophy When the first delight of my soul was lost, Of which mention has already been made, I remained pierced with such affliction That no comfort availed me nevertheless after some time my mind which was endeavouring to heal itself undertook since neither my own nor others consoling availed to turn to the mode which other comfortless ones had adopted for their consolation and i set myself to reading that book of Boethius, not known to many in which he a prisoner and an exile had consoled himself and hearing moreover that tully had written a book in which treating of friendship he had introduced words of consolation for laelius a most excellent man on the death of scipio his friend i set myself to read that and although it was difficult for me at first to enter into their meaning i finally entered into it so far as my knowledge of latin and a little of my own genius permitted through which genius i already as if in a dream saw many things as may be seen in the new life and as it sometimes happens that a man goes seeking silver and beyond his expectation finds gold which a hidden occasion affords not perchance without divine guidance so i who was seeking to console myself found not only relief for my tears but the substance of authors and of knowledge and of books reflecting upon which i came to the conclusion that philosophy who was the lady of these authors this knowledge and these books was a supreme thing and i imagined her as having the features of a gentle lady and i could not imagine her in any but a compassionate act wherefore my sense so willingly admired her in truth that i could hardly turn it from her And after this imagination, I began to go there, where she displayed herself truly, that is to say, to the school of the religious, and to the disputations of the philosophers, so that in a short time, perhaps in thirty months, I began to feel so much of her sweetness, that the love of her chased away and destroyed every other thought. The Banquet 2. 2. THE DESIRE OF THE SOUL The supreme desire of everything, and that first given by nature, is to return to its source. And since God is the source of our souls, and maker of them in his own likeness, as is written, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, To him this soul desires above all to return and as a pilgrim who goes along a road on which he never was before thinks every house he sees afar off to be his inn and not finding it so directs his trust to the next and thus from house to house till he comes to the inn so our soul at once on entering the new and untravelled road of this life turns her eyes TO THE GOAL OF HER SUPREME GOOD, AND THEREFORE, WHATEVER THING SHE SEES, WHICH SEEMS TO HAVE IN IT SOME GOOD, SHE BELIEVES TO BE THAT. AND BECAUSE HER KNOWLEDGE AT FIRST IS IMPERFECT, NOT BEING EXPERIENCED OR INSTRUCTED, SMALL GOODS SEEM TO HER GREAT, THEREFORE, SHE BEGINS WITH DESIRING THEM. WHEREFORE WE SEE CHILDREN DESIRE EXCEEDINGLY AN APPLE and then, proceeding further, desire a little bird, and further still, a beautiful dress, and then a horse, and then a woman, and then riches not great, and then greater, and then as great as can be. And this happens, because in none of these does she find that which she is seeking, and she trusts to find it further on truly this way is lost by error as the roads of earth are for as from one city to another there is of necessity one best and straightest way and another that always leads away from it that is on which goes in another direction and many others some less diverging and some approaching less near so in human life are divers roads of which one is the truest AND ANOTHER THE MOST DECEITFUL, AND CERTAIN ONES LESS DECEITFUL, AND CERTAIN LESS TRUE. AND AS WE SEE THAT, THAT WHICH GOES STRAIGHTEST TO THE CITY FULFILLS DESIRE, AND GIVES REPOSE AFTER WEARINESS, AND THAT WHICH GOES CONTRARY NEVER FULFILLS IT, AND CAN NEVER GIVE REPOSE, SO IT FALLS OUT IN OUR LIFE. THE GOOD TRAVELER ARRIVES AT THE GOAL AND REPOSE. THE MISTAKEN NEVER ARRIVES THERE with much weariness of his mind always looks forward with greedy eyes the banquet four twelve three the noble soul at the end of life the noble soul in old age returns to god as to that port whence she set forth on the sea of this life and as the good mariner WHEN HE APPROACHES PORT, FURLS HIS SAILS, AND WITH SLOW COURSE GENTLY ENTERS IT, SO SHOULD WE FURL THE SAILS OF OUR WORLDLY AFFAIRS, AND TURN TO GOD WITH OUR WHOLE MIND AND HEART, SO THAT WE MAY ARRIVE AT THE PORT WITH ALL SWEETNESS AND PEACE. AND IN REGARD TO THIS WE HAVE FROM OUR OWN NATURE A GREAT LESSON OF SWEETNESS that in such a death as this there is no pain nor any bitterness but as a ripe fruit is easily and without violence detached from its twig so our soul without affliction is parted from the body in which it has been and just as to him who comes from a long journey before he enters into the gate of his city the citizens thereof go forth to meet him so the citizens of the internal life come to meet the noble soul and they do so through her good deeds and contemplations for having now rendered herself to god and withdrawn herself from worldly affairs and thoughts she seems to see those whom she believes to be nigh unto god hear what tully says in the person of the good cato with ardent zeal i lifted myself up to see your fathers whom i had loved and not them only but also those of whom i had heard speak the noble soul then at this age renders herself to god and awaits the end of life with great desire and it seems to her that she is leaving the inn and returning to her own house it seems to her that she is leaving the road and returning to the city it seems to her that she is leaving the sea and returning to port and also the noble soul at this age blesses the past times and may well she bless them because revolving them through her memory she recalls her right deeds WITHOUT WHICH SHE COULD NOT ARRIVE WITH SUCH GREAT RICHES OR SO GREAT GAIN AT THE PORT TO WHICH SHE IS APPROACHING. AND SHE DOES LIKE THE GOOD MERCHANT, WHO WHEN HE DRAWS NEAR HIS PORT EXAMINES HIS GETTING AND SAYS, HAD I NOT PASSED ALONG SUCH A WAY, I SHOULD NOT HAVE THIS TREASURE, NOR HAVE GAINED THAT WHICH I MAY ENJOY IN MY CITY TO WHICH I AM DRAWING NEAR. And therefore he blesses the way which he has come. The Banquet, four twenty eight. End of section seven. Recorded by Michael Channon.